Well, good morning. Welcome to St. Paul's Blur Street on this summer Sunday. We're so glad you're here, whether you're in person or you're uh, part of the many who join us online each Sunday. The great uh, Russian novelist and dissident, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, he recorded an incident in 1938 at a Russian Communist Party conference. At the uh, conclusion of the conference, a tribute to the dictator, Comrade Stalin, was called for. And of course, everyone stood up and the hall echoed, he records, with stormy applause rising to an ovation. For three minutes, four, five, continuing. Palms were getting sore, but who was going to be the first one to dare to stop? After all, secret police were standing at the back of the room watching to see who'd quit first. The applause goes on. Six, seven, eight minutes. The director of the local paper factory, he was an independent and he was a strong-minded man, and he was aware of all the falsity, but he kept on applauding. Nine minutes, 10. After 11 minutes, the director of the paper factory assumed a business-like expression and he sat down in his seat. To a man, everyone else stopped dead and they sat down. Where'd all that enthusiasm gone? Problem was, this is how the secret police discovered who the independent people were so they could eliminate them. And that very night, the director of the paper factory was arrested. Now, we could be cute and say that the moral of this story is never to be the first person to stop applauding your boss who's in the room, but we know that this is a story about hypocrisy, about public devotion to someone that is false and ephemeral. We're on the third week of our summer teaching series, 10 Words for Life, looking at the Ten Commandments and how they are life-giving. And while none of us wants to be told what to do, we all want to know what the right way to live is. Whether you're spiritually searching this morning or you're already a committed Christian. And so today we're looking at the third commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Our oldest daughter, Emma, when she found out what commandment we were on, she asked me, Mommy, how are you going to spin a whole sermon out of just telling people not to swear? Which is, of course, how this commandment is famously but superficially understood. Because it's actually a commandment against hypocrisy. About claiming a love for God, but not representing God well in the world. And so this morning, we're going to look at the a third commandment. First of all, we're going to look at it at its original context. And then we're going to see how it can lead us to abundant life, the abundant life that Jesus promises us by laying out a pathway to live with consistency, to live with integrity, away from hypocrisy. So let's first remind ourselves of the context, right? So uh, it's approximately 13th century BC, and the Israelite tribes, they're slaves in ancient Egypt. They cry out to God for rescue, God designates a special agent for this rescue mission, a man named Moses. And in a burning bush, God even reveals God's personal name to Moses. This is officially a big deal. Most of the gods of the time were known by pseudonyms. 
so as to keep people at an appropriate distance. But rather than hiding, God reveals God's name to Moses and invites the Israelites to address God directly. They're on a first name basis. This is important, remember it for later. Moses, fueled by the power of his first name basis relationship with God, then has an epic showdown with Pharaoh and leads the Israelites out of slavery. And around halfway through their long journey to their new home, the promised land, roughly modern day Israel, they come to a mountain. This mountain's called Sinai. And at Sinai, everything changes. Because this ragtag collection of former slaves, they're given the law, the Torah, by God, as a practical way to live their lives, right? Experiencing how true freedom requires clearly communicated boundaries. Like who builds a playground for children right by a busy intersection and then thinks the kids are gonna have more fun if there's no fences around it, right? The fences mean the kids can play without worrying about getting hurt. And the 10 commandments are the first of those laws that God gives the Israelites. Commandments that then Jesus upheld. And our third commandment being, do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Superficially, this sounds like a, a really simple command. Don't use God's name as a swear word, which at a minimum is certainly correct. Dishonoring God in such a way is a serious matter, and I don't recommend it. But as Carmen Eames shows in the book we're selling in the glass atrium, it's good summer reading, the original Hebrew would be better translated as this. You must not bear or carry the name of Yahweh your God in vain, for Yahweh will not hold guiltless one who bears or carries his name in vain. You see, God was creating a nation out of those rescued slaves to be God's chosen people in the world, showing the world what it looks like to have God at the center of your life. The Israelites were going to be God's show and tell. You want to know what it looks like to put God at the center of your life and not your career, not even your family? Because those things will always let you down at some point. Look at those kids. Look at those kids having so much fun on the playground with the safety fence around it. It's great. Here's a quote from Eames. At Sinai, Yahweh claims this nation as his very own and releases them to live out their calling. That calling is to bear Yahweh's name among the nations. That is to represent God well. At Sinai, God warns the people, don't bear my name in vain. Keeping this command then involves much more than not saying, oh, Yahweh, when someone cuts in front of you on the freeway, or a disgruntled, Jesus Christ, when your team loses. Ooh, it was even hard to say. My mom's going to wash my mouth out with soap. This is a command against living a hypocritical life of claiming devotion to God, but living in an entirely different manner, of not representing God truthfully. So for us, for now, how does this third commandment point us towards a life of consistency, of integrity, away from hypocrisy? How does Jesus fulfill this commandment so it can bring us abundant life? Well, we know that names are important, right? Names open doors. 
Think about name dropping. And we all do it to a, a certain degree. And if you use the name of a powerful or a famous person, uh, the, 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 the fame and the power of that person will accrue to you. That's why we do it in the first place, right? Like trying to secure a business deal or a table at a restaurant or aiming to make a connection on social media with someone you just met. But think about how embarrassed we would be if we name drop that we know so-and-so and then your friend mentions the mutual connection, I never knew him, comes the caustic reply. How much more terrifying when we bear God's name in vain, hypocritically, not representing God truthfully. Jesus made it clear in our reading this morning that it's easy to be using the name Christian on the outside, but for that to lack any authenticity, for Jesus to say, I never knew you. Buckle up again for those tough verses. Not everyone who says, this is Jesus speaking, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many deeds of power in your name? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Whew. Like these people are really committed. Notice that they say, Lord, Lord. In Hebrew, the way they emphasize things is by saying them twice. So not only are these people like all in on Jesus, they're also putting their faith into tangible action, right? They're prophesying, they're healing people. Lots of socially transformative activity here going on in the name of Jesus. Connect group leaders in the making. I never knew them. It would seem to be entirely possible to be committed to Jesus be sacrificially serving others in his name and still be missing the boat somehow to not be truthfully representing God in the world, right? To like be a hypocrite, which is not only existentially terrifying, it's also incredibly demotivating. It's so demotivating. How will we know if we're bearing God's name in vain in how we live our daily lives? Jesus gives a succinct answer. It's not all that more helpful, but listen to this. This is what Jesus says. Only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. We may be doing lots of socially transformative work in the world. We may have even told our work colleagues that we're committed to Jesus or we're learning about Jesus. But Jesus pulls no punches here, and you, you can take this up with Jesus. If we can't back down from the assertion that ultimately we should be in charge of our lives, right? If we can't back down from the attitude that we get to decide how to spend our money, listen to our language, right? Our money, our time. It's not our money, it's not our time. If we can't back down from the idea that we get to decide how to spend our time and money, what's right and wrong for our lives, then we're not representing the truth about what it means to follow Jesus. Like the worst advice you can give someone is just be yourself. Like, you don't want me to just be myself. It's not pretty. The starting point, you asked him. <laughs> the starting point to use God's name authentically is to know and then to try to put into practice the simple fact that we are not God. It's not more complicated than that. 
This idea of setting aside our will, though, it's incredibly hard for us. It's probably the central struggle of all human existence. Even Jesus wrestled with this on the night before he died in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? But only when we've stopped worshiping ourselves and all the forms that that idol takes, remember Ben walked us through that last week? That's when we can begin to move away from bearing God's name in vain. And it's important to remember that we choose God's will, we bear God's name truthfully, not so we will be accepted and loved by God. No. Because we are accepted and loved by God. The Israelites, they're not given the law as a way to earn God's love. God's already lovingly rescued them from slavery. They're given the law so they can have fun in the new playground. In the classic book, Anne of Green Gables, when the orphan girl Anne is staying at the house of uh, Matthew and Marilla Cuthbert, she doesn't know if she's going to be adopted, right? She's, she's on trial. And Marilla, who's undoubtedly kind to Anne, still makes it clear to Anne that she can stay if she's well-behaved. Matthew, on the other hand, he just loves Anne from the moment he picks her up from the train station. Anne, in turn, loves Matthew with a singular love, and she wants to please Matthew with her accomplishments in life. Because Matthew, right from the start, loved Anne with free, unmerited grace, a love and acceptance that Anne did not need to earn. It is so much easier to choose God's will, to do the will of my Father in heaven, as Jesus invites us to, when we're responding to the grace of God than when we're responding out of fear and guilt. Fear and guilt, those are just emotions. So they, they're going to come and go like waves on a beach, which is why fear and guilt will never motivate you consistently. It will not help you live with integrity, and you should not attend a church that motivates out of fear and guilt. It is so much more effective to be fueled by God's grace like Moses was, right? Moses was now on a first-name basis with God. That's amazing. Because that doesn't depend on your emotional state, whether I'm having a good day or a bad day. The grace of God has already been given to us at great cost through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And some days, uh, all I can do is want to do God's will. And then on other days, all I can muster is to want to want to do God's will. And, and those are the days I particularly need to fix my eyes on the grace of God that the cross of Jesus brings me. Because I can't do it. The third commandment, it's against hypocrisy. Public devotion that is false and ephemeral. And here at St. Paul's, we follow a rhythm of life. Five ancient practices that we believe will make us more like Jesus. And the fifth rhythm is called faithful living, bringing the teaching and example of Jesus into all parts of our everyday lives and sharing honestly about our faith. That's what the fifth rhythm is. And the kind of life that the third commandment makes possible is faithful living, where you consistently ask these kinds of questions, right? Like every day, you're asking these kinds of questions. How does God want me to use my career and abilities for God's glory? How does God 
want me to prioritize activities for the children God's uh, given into my care? How does God want me to use the money that God's entrusted me with? Right? Those are God-centered questions, not us-centered questions. And these are the questions of people who are on a first-name basis with God. It's such a privilege. Who want to be God's show and tell in the world. Not because we are perfect and without sin, right? Like exhibit A. But because we know we're not God. And we know we're sinful. Yet we are forgiven and we are just adored. Like you know when God looks at each of you? God just delights. You're adored. Washed in God's grace. These are integrity questions. These are consistency questions. And I am so not pretending to have simple answers to those questions, which is why we need to wrestle with them in community, uh, wrestle with them in connect groups. But I do know, I do know that the path that leads away from hypocrisy and towards a life of consistency and integrity, it begins with questions like those. God-centered questions, not us-centered questions. Do not bear the name of the Lord your God in vain. Thanks be to God. Amen.